0: Hello, listeners. Thank you for staying with us. I'm here again as your host, in and Tongawa. But today we have a caller that was born in Nigeria but came to the United States for college. She's gone through the whole undergraduate process and is now in grad school. So join me in listening to her story and letting her tell you what her life was like. Listen up.
1: Hello. Hello. Hi,
0: how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Okay, so can you hear me perfectly? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you Hello. now. But is everything good on your end?
1: Okay. Yes, everything seems good.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, thanks for doing this. Uh, I know you're busy, so I appreciate you for taking the time out.
1: No problem. It sounded interesting, so I was definitely interested in participating.
0: Perfect. Okay, so um, welcome to This New World Podcast, an open platform for immigrants and current citizens to speak on how life is and what things, things such as the various actions or routes they follow to stay motivated. Um, Thank you for joining us today. Uh, So let's get straight into it. Uh, Where are you from?
1: Um, hi, um, my name is Marie. I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. I was born and raised in Lagos, but my family has origins all over Nigeria, honestly. Um, my dad is from Delta State and my mom is from Kogi State, so I'm kind of mixed, but I'm a Lagos girl at heart.
0: Okay, so wait, where where's Nigeria again? So
1: Nigeria is located in West Africa. If you know what Africa looks like, it's kind of in the armpit of Africa, so right there on the coast.
0: Okay. And you stated that you were from Lagos. Is Lagos the major city in Nigeria?
1: Yes. So like a lot of West African countries, our major cities are along the coast. So Lagos is like the like economic capital of Nigeria, honestly.
0: Oh, wow. So how how's so, so you grew up in Nigeria then, right?
1: I did. I was born and raised there.
0: Okay. How was life in Nigeria when you were growing up?
1: Life was good. Um I come from a fairly not it's not huge but we're a mid-sized family I have four, three siblings so there's four of us I grew up with my mom and my dad and my three brothers um we moved around a lot as you know how Lagos is if you guys out there know how Lagos is people change jobs people move around so I think I grew up in a like so Lagos has the mainland and the island so my first years of life were spent on the island on the mainland sorry um I lived in Akoka with my family my parents went to unilag moment go to Unilag with us in we So then we're
0: how far <laughs> are these, are, are all these different areas uh, or mm-hmm. cities in Lagos or is it a different part of Nigeria?
1: So um, on, in Lagos you have, Lagos is mainly divided into the mainland and the island, Lagos uh, states I believe. So the mainland is places like Surulere, Akoka, Wagada. Um Those are, I think when you live in Lagos they're just I guess yeah, I get a different vibe I don't know but um, these are all in Lagos states but that like Lagos had um Nigeria has 36 states so it's really 37
0: uh-huh.
1: yes <laughs> 36 and then a the federal capital territory so 37 total okay so really big we have over 200 ethnic groups spread across the country almost billion wow. people so mm-hmm. a very large very diverse country
0: okay so um you say you moved around a lot uh mm-hmm. when you were younger. Did yes. you did you notice what was going on or were you just, you know, like okay, we're moving again, sure, whatever. Like how did how did you deal with that? Cuz you know you're switching from different schools, right?
1: Yeah, sorry. So the first time um we moved was because my family was robbed at gunpoint on it was around Christmas period. If anybody knows anything about Lagos, sometimes it gets very hectic, a lot of crime happens around Christmas period, so we actually robbed and my dad was actually kidnapped and like taken away with like a new car that he just got. So that was a very obviously traumatic experience for my family. So we decided to move somewhere that we thought would be safer into a larger, different community. And then um, after that, we moved around again, um, our family was getting bigger, we needed more space. For me, moving was just like a part of my life. Like. Mm-hmm. My dad was able to think we build a house in Leki, and so that was our final move before leaving Nigeria. So we spent six or seven years there. We really, like, I, my parents had two more children, <laughs> and then, you know, we settled in school. We're just, I guess, moving has always been part of me, and, like, I think it's just made me very adaptable and, like, a very, like, I'm, I'm comfortable in, like, transient situations really, and I can pack up my life in 30 minutes.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, that's nice. So how old were you when your dad got robbed at gunpoint? Do you remember?
1: So I think I was around, I want to say like six or seven years old. I know I was definitely under 10. It was just me and my brother because there's like, my parents had us in two sets. So there were two of us. So I was definitely like under 10. I think I was like six or seven. Wow. So you can imagine like a child, a six-year-old girl being thrown out of a car with her brother and her mother and then guns out of nowhere. And then next thing you know your dad is gone i just remember our entire like because we lived in a compound at that point so we had neighbors everywhere mm-hmm. um, so everyone like we, i remember after they had gone and like we we're like oh we're safe okay we can get help mm-hmm. our entire compound was in our house <laughs> in our living room praying with my mom my mom was hysterical but like that's a very distinct memory that i don't
0: think can ever leave me <laughs> oh my god that's 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 uh that's horrible man like I'm sure, is that something that left you scarred? You know, you had to, from when you saw that happen, you had to watch how you moved? No, in... definitely. No?
1: Like, I said definitely, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Like, Christmas in Nigeria is always like a tense time for me. Like, when people say things like, you know, kidnappings happen, robberies happen. My mom has also been in traffic one time during Christmas, and they like smashed mm-hmm. the side, like, the passenger side um, window to try and like steal her bag and like money and stuff like that so i feel like christmas is always a very tense time where you're like you're always hyper alert you just you know and we've never really went back to where we used to live when that happened and i can't honestly understand why <laughs>
0: yeah definitely because if you went back those same people that came after your dad might you know just come again
1: right it's like you know how and my dad is really funny i always say this but my dad has never bought another black car since then I remember I was asking my mom like why why like why does Daddy always like have silver cars like why is Daddy why are Daddy's car always silver? And she was like, don't you remember when <laughs> his car was stolen? Like he refuses to buy another black car because of that incident.
0: Well, you can't blame him, can you? Exactly. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, so so I, I guess what what's the school system like? Or uh, uh, is it because in America there's. There's elementary school, there's middle school, then you go to high school, then after high school, you go to college. Yeah. Is it different in Nigeria?
1: So I think the general structure is the same. So Nigeria you usually start off like, I think people just throw their children out of the house as soon as they can walk. So by like, <laughs> wow. you're starting in like, crash or nursery school. You do that for a couple years. And then by the time you're like, six years old, you like, just grab into like, I think that's primary one. So we have like our nursery school, then we have um, primary school. So primary school is like grades one through six. And then um, once you graduate from primary school, grades six, you take a lot of like qualifying exams. I don't remember what they're called, but you sit for exams, entrance exams for a lot of secondary schools that you want to go to. When you get into secondary school, then you move on. Secondary school lasts for six years. So GS1 and then through SS3. So it's also broken up into like two portions which is really similar to the middle school high school thing that we have here in the u.s so you go through gs1 to gs3 in gs3 again you are writing another set of exams they're called junior wayek so the WIAC is like a you know that's our like examination board that nigeria uses to track educational like mine so it's kind of like all the standardized testing that's done here so once you pass your well, i feel like wayek junior wayek is literally never used for anything you just you take it and you continue to assess one. It doesn't really have any, at least in my experience, I don't think it had any impact in my education. It was just like, oh, these people have come through GS three. Let's see how they're doing.
0: Really? So, I would, I would. I. Sorry, go ahead.
1: That's okay, cause I really think so. Cause I don't remember doing anything with my y, my junior Y results.
0: Okay. Like not, not at all. Okay, but weren't weren't the tests are meant to measure how good of a student you are, right?
1: Yeah, basically, like, tracking, like, like, kind of like, you know how here they have all these, like, educational tests that they take Mm -hmm. in elementary school and stuff like that? I think it's very similar to that concept.
0: Ah, like the SAT and stuff? Yeah,
1: I feel feel like it reminds me of a PSAT-style thing where you take the test, but it's like, oh, this is basically to gauge where you're at, and it doesn't really affect your college entrance.
0: Oh, okay, 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 okay. As long as it doesn't, because,
1: Yeah, it doesn't. I think the most important thing... Another thing in Nigeria, we had so here in the U.S. you have semesters, but in Nigeria we had like three terms. I don't know what the actual term is,
0: but we had like one, two, three,
1: and then we'd have
0: breaks. When you say so, when you say three terms, so you're referring to somebody that's in college, right?
1: So this is from um, junior school as well. So like in secondary school, you have, and I think also in primary school this applies. So this academic year is broken up into like three um, segments, basically. Mm-hmm. So. You start school in September I believe and you go until December that's first term and then the second term is usually from January after Christmas break because mm. Nigeria is very religious <laughs> so we take a long break for Christmas amen so from January until usually it's March to April around Easter so we get another 3 weeks off <laughs> during Easter break and then after Easter you start school again usually you, like end of April May and then you get classes till I want to say like August July like end of July usually so yeah those three segments
0: okay so so at at what point are you because I'm trying to understand from the standpoint of somebody that's in the United States right like for us for a high school senior in the United States what's that compared Mm -hmm. to
1: so a high school senior in the US is that you're in SS3 so that's like your sixth year of secondary school
0: okay okay mm-hmm. so it, yeah. are you taking a test to get into a college at that point
1: yeah so there are actually a number of tests you can take in nigeria so there's something called NECO. there's something called yx so you remember when we talked about the junior WAEC that you take in gs3 there's another one that you take in senior school so that's your senior WAEC. and then so those two again are like tracker tests just to see how you're doing mm-hmm. you get your big results is i think Yek is like West African wide, because when we were taking the test, there were parts that would be like, "Oh, this is for Ghana students only. This is for students from Benin Republic. This is for students from Togo." So you don't like fill in those portions of the test, and then you so, finish that YX. Y-
0: so <laughs> it's an African wide test. It's not necessarily West, just Nigeria.
1: Yes, West African wide.
0: Oh, just West African wide.
1: Yeah, because I think YX stands for like West African like education something something.
0: All right, okay. <laughs> don't okay. hold me to that.
1: That's obviously more like, it's
0: okay. West staff- African wide. Okay, we'll double check that, it's okay. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, so you take the test and then you get a chance to go to college. Um, I mean, from, from your standpoint, what, what did you do?
1: So the kicker is to get, get into university in Nigeria, you need to take another exam. <laughs> so imagine you've taken your end of year, like school, like your final third term exams in school, you're taking NECO, maybe you're taking your WAEC. Then you now have to take another exam to get into university to get admission to university. So if you wanted to go to university in Nigeria, you have to take something called the JAMB. And to, so when you take the JAMB, you decide what department or what degree you want to get. Say you want to do medicine, you want to do engineering, you want to study mathematics. Each like department has a grade cutoff. So kind of like the SATs. Like if you wanted to go to Harvard or something, you know. I think on the new SAT, you would need to get something like a 1,500 out of 1,600, mm-hmm. maybe something better than that. So in Nigeria, if you wanted to get into like medicine, I think medicine is probably the highest ranked one. I don't remember what the grading scale is, but I think it's over
0: like 200 and something. Which, so which is correct, though. It should be like that because you're dealing with someone's life.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, the fact that we're deciding this is like 18 years old, and it's just <laughs> very interesting yeah. to me
0: yeah that's crazy because in the in the united states um you're going into college as a freshman because you yeah. know most individuals they don't really know what they're doing so it's kind of like you have um um courses you're taking just to like test the waters to see what you're interested in like exactly. what do they call it general general studies
1: uh, so i went to a liberal arts school so it was like a liberal arts You're you're testing the waters seeing everything taking all the random credits you had like we even had like credit requirements in every like different like in social sciences you have to take one in the sciences you have to take like an art just like to see and taste like it taste of everything
0: so why, why did you choose liberal arts
1: um so i wanted a small school i so another i went i started i went to college when i was 16 so i'm, I'm young for everything <laughs> i've been so i started school early and i skipped a grade in nigeria
0: wow so, you must be smart <laughs>
1: yeah we try. <laughs> So I skipped a grade in second um, elementary school. So I've always been younger. And then when it was time to go to university, I told my parents that I didn't want to go to school in Nigeria. And thankfully, I had my family had the means, and like I was lucky enough to be able to just go to school in America freely without worrying about like visas
0: and everything like that. So like Wait, it was how how is that? Why wouldn't you have to worry about visas?
1: So um, I'm actually a permanent resident of the United States. My one of my fam, a few of my family members actually won the visa lottery in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my mom has a lot of family in the U.S. and mm-hmm. they have been like my grandma has filed for citizenship and stuff for us. So like they've been able to you know bring my mom and her family into the U.S. because of that.
0: Wait, oh, so your grandma was already a citizen of the U.S. and when you decided you wanted to go to school in the U.S., she filed for you to come here.
1: So she actually filed for us i think like right when we were born
0: <laughs> so, wow that's smart
1: yeah once she got her because the green card process like if you're filing for your family member once i think once they do the application it takes a long time like a number of years mm. to for them to process and like you, for you to become a permanent resident so for us i think my grandma filed like in the early 2000s for us and we didn't become citizens or like we didn't get our permanent residency until 2011
0: okay but i thought don't you usually have to actually show up in the united states to go through interviews and do your fingerprints and things like that
1: so we were doing that so for as long as i can remember we've been coming we we would come over to the us for our summer holidays so i think that's i can't i don't remember any of that but i'm sure in that period we were doing all those things
0: okay okay that's that's good
1: so yeah very grateful i'm thankful because I my parents made me take jamb, even though I like we all knew I wasn't going to a Nigerian university. So I have <laughs> the painful experience of standing in line at Unilag to take my, like I've never been to Unilag before. My my mother just carried me, drove me in her car, dropped me off at like the exam centre in Unilag I was like, Okay, figure it out.
0: You, Unilag is the is one of the cities.
1: So Unilag is the um, University of Lagos. So it's actually, I think, the biggest university, the biggest, and, like, most prestigious university in Nigeria for most, um, like, concentrations, I guess. So, okay. you know, like, when you say, I think when you like have a degree from Unilag you know, like, in Nigeria, like, it's the equivalent of like a very prestigious university. So yeah, yeah.
0: you know. So it's good. equivalent to a like a Brown University or Columbia. Exactly.
1: So like Unilag. I think Obafemi, Awolowo, maybe like University of Umsuka. Like, they're like very big government-funded schools in Nigeria. And like when you have degrees from there, they're the equivalent of having, you know, like degrees from IVs or prestigious schools in the US.
0: Okay. Okay. Understood. So it's unfortunate you had to go through that experience, but you <laughs> knew you weren't going to school in Nigeria.
1: Exactly. So like my parents would force me. They were like, you're taking jam. You're doing this. If you like, you're playing around. You are going to school to Nigeria but like we all knew that they were playing <laughs> so like I I was looking back it's like okay I'm oh like, like, I
0: think you're like I have a lot of friends who I ne- who never jumped. can you go back a little and mm-hmm. so you were muted
1: yeah oh sorry about that I don't know what's going on but um, I was saying I am glad that I had the experience I have a lot of friends who like have never had to do anything like that. And I think it's a very, like, vital part, like, a very essential part of growing up in Nigeria and going through education and things like that. So even though I knew I wasn't going to stay and finish my schooling, like, it was interesting to have that experience.
0: Okay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you had a chance to actually have that experience. But yeah. I, I would like to say shout-out to your grandma. She is smart. Like, <laughs> she already she already prepped her grandkids for success
1: my grandma had has seven kids and she has brought all of them to the us <laughs> so
0: Ooh, amen
1: the grandma auntie pat
0: <laughs> wow that's nice that's nice so where which school did you decide to go to go to in the us
1: so i um decided to go to a little university in ohio called wittenberg university <laughs> shout out goat tigers <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just, it was, it's in Springfield, Ohio. And there, I think, I don't think we even had up to 2000 people enrolled in that school. So I decided to go to Wittenberg because my first choice school didn't give me any funding at all.
0: What was your first choice?
1: (laughs) So my first choice school, I actually had two first choices, Colby College and then Kenyon College. So I always knew that I wanted a small university. I didn't want anything big at all. So I looked at a lot of the liberal arts schools in the U.S. So Kenyon is like either the like first or second ranked school in the U S and then Colby is also like a very highly ranked liberal arts university in uh, Colby is in Maine and then Kenyon is in Ohio. So I gr- thankfully got into both Colby and Kenyon, but like Kenyon was always my first choice. I was waitlisted for them for a while until like basically almost the last day to make a decision. And then when they finally got me off the waitlist and said, y- you got in, they were like, okay, you got in, but we, d- we don't have any money for you. And if anybody knows anything about private education in the U.S., is very expensive. Right. <laughs> schools are private schools. So I think Kenyan at that time was $65,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And they were basically telling me, we don't have any government grants to give you. We don't have any scholarships to give you. So you need to pay for that somehow for the first year at least. And then after the second year, you can reapply and you know try and get a scholarship or something. And that wasn't a financial option for my family at all. <laughs> so I was like okay sad I cried a little bit but it was okay I can't ask my father to pay $65,000 in one year because there are four of us so right. <laughs> my mom was just like Mary please you're not the only one you have three brothers so just remember mm-hmm. so with Wittenberg like they had the degree choice that I wanted it was small it was still like somewhere I was interested in living in and then I got a lot of scholarships from them thankfully so it was a very good like it was one of my best options financially and also i could get you know the education i wanted
0: well that's good that's good um so when you came into the university Mm -hmm. what age like how old were you
1: so i came i started school right after i graduated from secondary school so i was 16 i just turned 16 in april
0: okay so 16 years old you're going into your first semester of college you know freshman year
1: freshman year yep
0: how was that? Because I'm sure you're, you're, you know, the majority of kids in in the at the university were 18 and up, right?
1: Yeah. So I, for the first like, yeah, I don't think I told anybody how old I was. <laughs> I would just blend into situations because I feel like I, I look older than I am, and I people always tell me that when they find out how old I am, they're like, "No, you're not. Like, you don't act like that." Which I don't know what you expect me to act like because we've had all of the same experiences basically. So, <laughs> what you expect from me? But, um, I basically hid how old I was for a while because another thing I hear is like, Oh my gosh, she must be so smart. Oh my gosh, this, that's that. But like, it's really like, no, in Nigeria, I took one test and they just catapulted me to the next stage. So I didn't really do anything, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was an interesting experience. I went to a PWI, so liberal arts school in Ohio. Um, I was one of maybe like six or seven black girls, maybe one black. I don't think there were 20 in my graduating class. I don't think there were 20 black people. Wow. So, Yeah. So that was very interesting. If you ask any of my friends, my first, like two years in school, I, I really thought I was a white girl. <laughs> uh. I was doing a lot. Like I was really like, I was doing every single activity. If they had like, I don't like anything they had, I was out there. Like my school had like W days. I joined the choir. I was in all these clubs. I was going hiking. I went camping in the woods. I don't know who I thought I was or what I was doing, but I mean, te- I technically,
0: technically, you are you are participating in the social activities that you know college students in that area would do. You know,
1: that's exactly that's the thing. Yeah, it was very much like, because I think for me, I was like, I'm in Ohio. My closest family members are in New Jersey, which is a ten-hour mm-hmm. drive away. So, like. I'm here full-time, like, I don't have anybody around me, so, like, these are the people I have around me, and
0: right. I'm going to enjoy Actually, it. Actually, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you did that, because I feel like if, if you weren't putting yourself out there to do all these different things, you'd have, you would have probably been depressed, because I've, I've been to Ohio, and, you know... Mm-hmm. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So, my the town my school was in had a Walmart, a Kroger, a Meyer. I don't, we didn't, we had a Chipotle that we used to like, we had to, I don't think we even had Uber for the first like two, three years that I was there.
0: Oh, tragic.
1: Like we used to, my friends and I used to go to sushi, like every, to get sushi every two weeks, just because like, it was just something else to do. <laughs> uh-huh. So anyway, I, I became an RA my second year. So that took even more like financial burden off of. My family which was good i had housing free in my school housing was free which is nice but he literally mm-hmm. paid us like peanuts as a stipend but oh, of course that's okay you know <laughs> free college labor All and right. me you know it, i graduated at 20 so for most of the time i was enforcing rules on people that were years older than me so
0: did, did they did they ever find out how old you were
1: people that knew me personally like knew but then most of the time like i was in charge of a dorm of like hundreds of people at a time so not really no i just had to stand there and stare them in the face and pull my like my nigerian mother um, (laughs) cloak on and just you know intimidate them until they listen to me But yeah but i made it work um i joined a sorority i joined kappa delta so i'm a kd my school didn't have any um, any of the like African American sororities, so no like AKA's, nothing like that. So mm-hmm. I found my social circles where I did.
0: <laughs> so uh, how how was how was that sorority? Do you do you like it?
1: I liked it. I liked it a lot. For like, I think it was one of the better. It was a really good part of my like undergraduate experience for sure. How I so? think so, um, like I said, I like, I, I'm a very social person. I like, I don't, I don't have to sit still in a place for too long. I like to get to know people. So I had a lot of friends that were older than me and in my like degree program and stuff that were all like Kappa deltas. So once I like started meeting new people, I just learned that, you know, I got along really well with like the girls in the sorority, like I meet someone and be like, Oh, I'm a KD. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Like I know your sister who is this and then. So one day one of them invited me to come to a recruitment event i met girls at the house and i really liked them we all got along really well so i ended up joining and then that was i think it was a really good experience honestly my 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 family was like mario please what's that is that uh, yeah, a sorority that is that a cult is that a cult
0: yeah of
1: course oh. <laughs> my auntie, like is on facebook all the time so like when i would post like sorority things on facebook she would be like mario oh, what is this again what is this again? Marie, is this one a cult? <laughs> <I was> like,
0: <laughs> like you're giving your life away.
1: <laughs> like, she's like, what are you doing? Though? I hope you're not uh, chanting and doing all those things. When I was in the theater, it was so funny because it was really like their wildest expectations. Like, yes, <laughs> anything you picture, this is it right now. But can't talk about that.
0: Okay. So h- how was the recruitment process? Was it hard or was it?
1: I don't think it was. So I recruited in the fall and the fall is like the less like busy recruitment cycle so usually i think my we recruited six girls in my class but then the spring is our big like recruitment cycle because that's when because i think our, i think other schools like recruit right in the fall which i don't really understand that because nobody knows each other so how are you recruiting people mm-hmm. but our school recruits in the spring so like at least freshmen and everybody have had a chance to be there for a whole fall semester they've made friends they kind of are getting a sense of where they fit in and then it's like, okay, maybe you've met people like this already, so now you can go in and be a, like, join their sisterhood.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: It was fun. I had, I had my college are very fun. I'm really glad I had that experience. But when I was ready to go, <laughs> I was ready to go. Mm.
0: So what, so what did you end up graduating with a your degree?
1: I have a bachelor's, I have a dual bachelor's degree in biochemistry and molecular biology and then in philosophy.
0: Wow, wow, wow. What what were your plans? Why did you decide to go towards that?
1: Like every Nigerian, I wanted to go to medical school right away. <laughs> the biochemistry degree was like that was my road to med school. And then about halfway through, I think it's my second year, we had one of these electives that my school made us take. I took a I think it was like Mysteries of Self and Soul and it was a class in the philosophy department and i was sitting in this class like as a girl that was grown up i'm catholic like i grew up in catholic church like i, I imagine a 16 year old girl coming from nigeria which is very religious and like all of the convictions that you can imagine about who i am and like what my faith is and i was sitting in this class that was called mysteries of self and so and from the beginning of the class to like the end it basically was like how the christian Faith was like originated it was ideas about like how just like how humanity came about we read Descartes if anyone has ever read Descartes and Descartes is a French philosopher who literally sat down at one point and was like how do we come to know the things that we know Mm. so he sat and he meditated for weeks at a time and he he attempted to just strip down to like the basis of what like he knows and he was like how did these things come about and I was sitting in this class and learning how all these different people from centuries ago <laughs> really have described knowledge and, like, beliefs and, like, who we are and, like, what our soul is. People think that, like, this soul is something hovering around you. Is a soul really connected to your body? As a Catholic girl who believes that this soul is, like, a separate entity in me that goes to heaven when I die, it was, like, very groundbreaking for me to be learning all these things. And after that class, I remember talking to my professor and being, like, like, sign me up for the next one. Like, what do I... Like, how do I get... <laughs> how do I take the next class? How do I stay in this? Like, how do I... How do I do more of this? So, I ended up adding on a philosophy minor. And then I did that for a while. And then I was like, I really, really enjoyed this. So, I made it into a major.
0: <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good, Dan. I'm glad you actually um, figured out something you were interested in and went towards it. So... I guess when when you graduated college, mm-hmm. um, what what was your plan? What was next for you?
1: So um, I decided I was going, I wasn't going to go to med school. So I decided I I'm, I was going to get a, a master's degree in public health, which is what I'm currently finishing up right now. I graduate in May 2020. Woo! Uh, hey! <laughs> so um, somewhere along my philosophy journey, I took a global health justice course. And like, this was like going through like, my med school applications are trying to figure out exactly where I wanted to go and how I wanted to do this. And I took this global health course. I feel like the classes I've taken have really shaped <laughs> who I've become as a person. And it's very interesting to hear it back now. But, um, I took this class and I took this class in, um, in a like correction facility in Ohio. My professor really, I love her, like one of my biggest and best mentors in life, but like in having conversations with my classmates and some of the inmates in the class as well, like I, like, I just found a very huge passion for the things that we were talking about. Like, I always knew I wanted to work in healthcare, and I always
0: knew I wanted to be able to improve health in West Africa, where I come from. Okay, so what what kind of things were you guys talking about? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, so we learned, we talked a little bit about Dr. Paul Farmer. He um, is, in, I think he started off as an anthropologist and then a clinician, but he did a lot of work in Haiti, and during, like, the um the earthquakes a lot of the disasters that they had he has a foundation it's called partners in health so reading about his work and his advocacy we read a lot about like so philosophy is a lot about like justice and a lot about we lot a of like theories basically i guess so there were a lot of human rights based theories for why the health of people should be prioritized there were like ethics based theories there were just like basically like common sense based theories mm-hmm. and
0: like
1: i guess in all of those threads like i really found that these are things that i i agreed with like at my core philosophy like i resonated really strongly with it so it was like i felt like a career in global health just felt like a better fit for my skills honestly
0: okay that's nice so i i know you stated that you would like to actually you know take these skills you've you've acquired through college and um, help your country back mm-hmm. home but what other things are you plan on doing with you know this degree
1: so um my degree i'm guessing a master's in public health but i'm my track is in epidemiology and epidemiology is kind of like statistics but like population-based statistics so we can use that to track disease progressions you can use it for surveillance we build like predictive models like if you think of like to what degree something can change or something can have an impact like why like would i don't know i guess like would a certain increase in your sugar intake have an effect on the likelihood of you having like coronary heart failure in the future. So those are things that epidemiologists do. We look for like through, so th- someone described this really well to me at one point. like, imagine like it's that, like, you know, when TVs used to have antennas and had to like move the antennas, to try and find like a clear picture. Mm-hmm. So that noisy screen that you're seeing, you can kind of see the outlines of the picture in there. And an epidemiologist's job is basically to like clear through that noise and create the picture. So through the noise, we're looking for like what is actually true.
0: Okay, okay. Yes. So so have you heard of the issue that's currently going on in China? I think it's called yeah. the, the coronavirus
1: cor- outbreak. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. So as as somebody that's going towards a epi- um epi- can you repeat that? Sorry.
1: Epidemiology. <laughs>
0: Epidemiology. Right. <laughs> How, how are you, like, viewing that?
1: So I think one important aspect is, like, we saw how easily coronavirus came from, like, Asia to the U.S. Like, it was within, like, weeks of the outbreak. And that is one of my, like, key, <laughs> one of the things I advocate so strongly for. Like, global health is health. Like, things that are happening, are, like, in what people think of as, like, the developing world or, you know, the global east or the global south. Like those things affect all of us at all times. Like people can get, I can get to Thailand in two days. You know what I mean? And right. our pathogens come with us. So as an epidemiologist, oh I can't even say the word, <laughs> as an epidemiologist uh, or in training at this point, my friends and I have really been talking about this and we've been worried that it seems like people aren't as concerned as we think they should be. A lot of my work and my interests are in like infectious disease prevention and just knowledge building. So some of the steps we take in preventing things like this is like educating people about how diseases spread and the likelihood of them being able to contract something like this. We're, we're currently like conducting surveillance, like when the flu is coming up, like, when it's flu season, this is why you take vaccines or you take the flu shots before flu season starts so that your body has a chance to develop immunity to the new flu strain that is going to likely be passed around that year. Mm -hmm. This is why you, people wear masks to prevent themselves from contracting the disease. This is why you pay at you. This is why. So one of the key problems was that, um, Wuhan, the city where it's happening in has been growing exponentially over the past few years and investing lots of money in a lot of like technological advancements, but they haven't been investing in
0: their public health infrastructure. So public health environmental
1: exactly exactly so that budget has remained very stagnant over the years and i read an article recently that was like it was it was very interesting because the author was like the government had a very difficult decision between like the next super like chip or something like that and you know investing in public health (laughs) like that was their huge decision to make like what chip is going to put them at the forefront of technological advancement in china versus how do they invest in public health programming and in health education in their city?
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: It, no, it, to, to me <laughs> and to the people that I go to school with and work with every day, like that is literally <laughs> the most. Like that's the most basic tenet of like a health a government.
0: Right, right. How if 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 your main focus is technological advancement? Not to say there's anything wrong with it. You know, I'm all for it. I love how. technology technology is advancing in in this age but if that's your main focus how are you gonna have consumers that you know are well enough to actually use it you know
1: yeah one like one of the biggest reasons that diseases like this spread like ebola for example one of the biggest reasons like things like this happen so and it seems like it's like people because people ask like how could we have prevented this like how could we have stopped this from happening what could we have done and it's simply like investing in healthcare and investing in because you are you're investing in people's lives and it shouldn't take with ebola one thing that happened was that people that were on the ground and working the um, msf so medicine Sans frontier or doctors without borders they always have they have doctors that are all over the world and they do incredible work. And they had warned all these organizations and governments that, listen, Ebola is spreading rapidly. Like, this is what we need. You need to declare a state of emergency. You need to start channeling funds towards, like, dealing with this outbreak. But, like, the, the world is so bureaucratic. And I feel like the focus is not where it needs to be. That, like, this, it, like, it really wasn't taken as seriously as it should have been. And Ebola, like, did not have to be as devastating as it was. And this is exactly what I was seeing with coronavirus. Like, it really did not have to be as devastating as it is right now there's another case in chicago a few days ago chicago is much closer than seattle <laughs> to new york and so like like this that literally has gone hundreds of thousands of miles or like thousands of miles across the u.s in days mm-hmm. and it's an airborne disease and I mean oh, no. it's very large so yeah <laughs> that's my public health rant for the day
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I am glad we actually spoke about that because you know I've I've been reading up on on uh the epidemic cuz I I think right now uh China has put out for a state of emergency. I yeah.
1: think the whole city is under
0: quarantine. Right. Which is to to me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just, you know, overthinking it, but i honestly feel like this this there's, there's something that we don't know yet about this yeah. virus i've
1: heard that like i've heard that take a lot and people are like the fact that a course today is under quarantine then like this has to be bigger than what it is and that's that's the thing so in public health quarantine is like your last the last ditch resorts like you don't instate a quarantine until like you've literally like run out of options and the fact that they have you know, declared like created a state of quarantine, then that is very concerning. And it's like, I don't like, I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like a conspiracy theory or anything like that. But like, like it it is, is very like just the word quarantine incites fear. And it has been used to oppress and target people for centuries. So that's why we avoid it. And that's why we don't like, you know, that's why we don't do things like that.
0: Right.
1: A lot of steps that you take before getting to quarantine, you want to control, you want to, contact trace and figure out who people have been in contact with but the fact that they went and did you also read that they are attempting to build a hospital to be able to like you know create capacity for all the patients in like six days they tried to build a hospital in six days
0: wow
1: that's a lot of labor the most ludicrous thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) Um, and I like, I have my friend said she had read an article that they were using like parts of other hospitals, like materials that are available. They are using like reinforced, like, and it's just like, I can't imagine how you, you, you create labor to build a hospital in six days. And like, what kind of structure is that going to be? Who is there just, there's so many questions and yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully we, we get more information on that aspect, but, um, yeah, so you're trying to be an uh, epidemiologist, right? I yeah, said that right?
1: Just,
0: yes. I <laughs> hey, have my stamp from for the day. Okay. Um. All right. So you graduate soon. Uh. Well, where did you end up doing your masters? Is it at the same school or you moved?
1: So I moved back to um the East Coast. <laughs> I left the Midwest uh, after I graduated college. I'm actually um, at Columbia University right now in New York City, mm-hmm. much closer to my family. I've been here since I graduated in 2018, and yeah, I live in Harlem, so very nice, lovely area.
0: I, like the switch between Ohio and New York, you know? Talk about it. Talk about it. How how, how did it make you feel?
1: It's so great. I like. I remember when I was saying I was moved. I was leaving. I was looking at other schools because I applied to a bunch of different schools. Because really. I didn't think I was going to get into Columbia. I was like, I have good grades. Yes, I was planning to. i was trying to go to med school, so I needed to have good grades in undergrad. But I was like, are my grades Columbia worthy? Am I Columbia worthy? But I ended up getting in, and as soon as I got in, like I didn't care what else I got in. I was like, sorry, I'm going to Columbia. I'm living in New York. So i think going from Ohio, from Springfield, Ohio, <laughs> to like New York City has been. It has been honestly the best thing for me. Honestly, like I am thriving in this environment. I love it. Like. I grew up in Lagos. I love hectic, chaotic, <laughs> energetic cities, and this is exactly what it is. Um, my family has been in New Jersey for a few years, so New York isn't like foreign to me. It's really familiar. Uh, my cousins like worked here in the city. I have a lot of family in the area. Um, I've developed really, really good friendships with people in school, people all over the city. I have, I don't know, it's just I, I thrive. I really thrive in New York. <laughs>
0: that's good that's good sounds like you found your second home yes i really did i'm not trying to leave either my mom keeps oh
1: "Oh, yeah when you graduate you'll come move back i'm like move back to where
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's like i'm gone bye stay here sorry you're gonna (laughs) get holidays okay that's good though i mean it's always good to go back for the holidays i mean at this point it's your life so you have to make the best decision exactly um okay so we're kind of going over time but mm-hmm. i guess do you have any um advice you would give to anybody that's just come into the united states or you know somebody that's trying to like go after a goal
1: like in our age group or
0: like anybody in general i'm sure you know it really doesn't yeah
1: yeah uh I guess my experiences would really like hone towards someone that's coming to school and uh, like an early career individual Like I think I think it's hard. Like, especially in this climate, coming to the US for the first time is difficult. I have been very lucky. I have like I've had incredible support throughout. So for me, I speak from a very like a a place of a lot of privilege. So I don't know what my experience would, you know, be able to contribute to someone who's coming in a different situation. But I really think that if you're deciding to come to school or you're deciding to maybe start a career I really hope that, like, a priority for you is finding something that you actually enjoy. I know lots of people that come to the U.S. is really, like, a survival tactic, really. But, you know, like, things <laughs> things get easier and, like, thing, things are hard in the first place. But things do get easier. And I don't know, there are lots of opportunities. But, again, like, find find people to help you navigate through situations. Like, there are people out there that are going to be helpful, They're always, um, I'm a huge advocate of social services. Like there are structures that the government has put in place to help and to support people and support individuals. You can find support anywhere. So always look out for support. Connect with other Nigerians or other people. If you're African, connect with other Africans. It's essential. This country is trying to kill us. (laughs) But but we're fighting and we're pulling through. And yeah, just, I don't know, make make of it what you want.
0: Amen. I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm glad you said that because um, I think uh, some individuals kind of refrain from communicating with mm-hmm. uh, other people. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's shyness. Maybe it's just.
1: No, I think Nigerian culture is repression, like in a nutshell. I like it has taken growth to come to the point where I'm comfortable asking for help and and like saying that I'm not okay because I don't like. I don't think a lot of us had opportunities to express ourselves. I talk about this all the time with my Nigerian friends. Like if you are not doing something well, it's because like, it's your own fault. You know what I mean? Like it's never an external thing. If You are upset. Why are you upset? Or People have it harder than you have it. So there's no reason for you to be upset. You are walking, you are eating, you can drive. Why are you upset? You know, it's okay. Like it's okay. And people have been where you're at. A lot of people come to school and they're in this environment for the first time. I have friends who like, had like de- like started like going through a lot and people developed depression people started having lots of like mental health problems that they didn't have when they were back home and like that's a very like another passion for like pet passion for me too is advocating for mental health in immigrant communities
0: that's good that's good i'm glad i'm glad you said that because I, I don't think you know it's really is really spoken about often because uh, maybe I'm, I mean I'm speaking from the standpoint of you know what I'm used to and what I've seen, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I was born in uh, Cameroon, but I think Africans in general have an issue mm-hmm. when it comes to like expressing their feelings and how they feel about certain things. Well, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, we don't
1: have room. Yeah,
0: go ahead. No, I, I was gonna say I agree with you that that is actually something that needs to be. um broken down
1: yeah no definitely like we don't give ourselves room to just like be i think in lagos like people that are my age i'm going through it now they're like like you're waking up at 4 a.m to get up and go to work like you are at a certain age where you feel like you should be independent and like doing your own thing but like you can't afford to live in like a house by yourself and like a lot of us come here and it's like it's the same thing and you thought it would be better but like it's like no (laughs) the economy has been ruined for us like we're immigrants immigrant like Acc- acclimation is very difficult and it's very hard especially when you the older you are when you come here the older it is to adjust to an entirely new environment so
0: just yeah, no harder. No yeah.
1: harder it is. my parents and i see the way because my parents my parents are in their 40s and 50s like it's not like the, i came here at 16 like I'm, my brain was still soft and growing so i've been able to acclimate better than they have like they still have the same opinions they had when they were older when they were in nigeria and i feel like i'm constantly teaching them and being like no <laughs> you can't say that in public like no like if somebody says something like that you should actually listen to them they are expressing themselves or like mommy we should talk about this you're upset at me. let's talk you can't just be angry at me and you can't sleep like let's talk
0: like no parents always, always have that notion that you're a child anything Ex- you say is just eh, whatever
1: exactly but that's not true like i'm i'm an adult we can have a conversation let's talk through it and it'll be fine yeah
0: really but yeah
1: true. so yeah that's- protect your mental health
0: amen amen i like that i think that's what i'll call it this episode protect your mental health
1: that's yeah that's good
0: (laughs) but um thanks thanks a lot for doing this i appreciate you for taking the time out to actually get on the call with us Uh, i'm sure our listeners will listen to this and you know take a lot of key aspects as a positive notion going forward yeah Um, but yeah thanks thanks for joining hopefully we can get you back on a call down the line when you are an official epidemiologist
1: when i'm a practicing epidemiologist in new york city <laughs> hey. we'll talk more but we could talk about job search about navigating all these things but yeah i'm happy to be here thank you for having me and for creating this platform like i, I think resources are like here and there for, for immigrant communities and like it's really important especially as african immigrants like we're here and like we're present and we need we need spaces like this to talk. So thank you for doing this.
0: Definitely. Definitely. All right. You have a good night.
1: Me too. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
0: Bye.